I mean, it's a lot of what Abby just said. It's the community. Um, it's uh, being out on dirt, on rocks, in forest, on ridgelines, in the elements. You don't even have to be in like the sexy Rocky Mountains, right? You could be in the middle of your urban park in just name your state. And if you're out there with a love for what you're doing and a passion for your environment, like you are trail running. And I think the beauty of quote unquote trail running is that it's really just an expansive way of thinking about running itself yeah just going outside and putting one foot in front of the in front of the other on whatever medium you have available to you that was claire gallagher and abby levine and this is the running on own podcast hey everyone welcome welcome back welcome to the running on own podcast it's great to be in your earbuds i'm julia hanlon And as some of you know, in November 2019, just a few months ago, I returned back to podcasting after taking a break for three years. So why did I come back? Well, in this new chapter of Running a Gnome, I'm focusing on the stories of women in particular, women who've committed their lives to endurance sports and to the outdoors. I'm passionate about understanding and sharing how these women live and learn with a connection to their mind, their body, and spirit in their respective pursuits. Today, the two women who are on the podcast are forces of nature. Claire Gallagher and Abby Levine have been best friends for over a decade since meeting on their cross-country team at Princeton University. Now, they're professional trail runners and activists. I first met Claire and Abby in winter 2018 when we went on a trip to Ethiopia together to scout a route for a 100-mile relay, and I was left in total awe of them. They're not only accomplished runners— but they're passionate about using running as a platform to change the world through environmental and political advocacy work. Their friendship is really special. They have the capacity to laugh at and with one another, challenge each other, and lift each other up all at the same time. You'll definitely get a feel for that in their episode. They both live and train in Boulder, Colorado, and in the past few years, they've really lit up the ultra trail running world. Claire has won the prestigious Leadville 100 miler, CCC, and was the 2019 Western States 100 mile champion. Abby is a former national champion professional triathlete who took up trail running after stepping away from triathlon. Most recently, Abby placed fifth in the deeply competitive 2019 North Face Endurance Challenge 50 mile race, and I'm so excited to see what both of them do in 2020. In this episode, they recount how they met, their favorite runs with one another, why they're so passionate about trail running, and we get into their activism work for the environment and the upcoming 2020 election. We recorded this podcast last month in Boulder, and you'll find that there was a lot of laughter in it. If you're out on the run, washing dishes, or maybe you're on the bus to work while tuning in, let us know what resonated from today's conversation. Reach out on Instagram. We would all love to hear from you. Okay, friends, let's do this. Let's dive deep with the extraordinary duo, Claire Gallagher and Abby Levine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll try not to lie. 
okay, the entire okay, podcast. Okay, that's a good point. So okay. I would be wasting yeah, Kyle time. Easy. Okay, focus. <laughs> well, no, I just meant for the, the listeners. That would yeah, be a yeah, waste of their yeah. time. Totally. So, Claire, how did you meet Abby? I met Abby as a freshman in college at Princeton. Beep, 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 wrong. <laughs> oh, was it our, oh my gosh, thank you. I met Abby as a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. This would have been 20, 2009. <laughs> <laughs> and I was on my official visit to Princeton in the fall. And my host was another um freshman at the time Abby was a freshman and we all went out together <laughs> at Princeton and that that girl lived next to me she we literally lived next to each other mm-hmm. so yeah Alexis I great. vividly remember meeting Claire as a senior in high school hoped that she would come to Princeton weren't you out with Emily that night at the eating club? Maybe. I don't remember. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I Abby out, got wild her sophomore year. I went out year. very minimally freshman year <laughs> yeah. of college. But you when I showed up freshman year. <laughs> yeah, freshman it's year. It's actually crazy you totally missed that. You didn't miss anything. Oh, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Abby's butterfly flew her sophomore year. <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> that sounds wrong. And it's... And... <laughs> We flew together. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah. I do. I have these vivid memories of us. And like the one time we somehow ended up in a limo. Do you remember this? <laughs> We're going out. So, okay. Let's give some context. Let's okay, like right. answer Julie's <laughs> question. Yeah, all right. Okay. Good idea. Otherwise, it's going to be miserable for anyone listening. <laughs> okay. So I was a grade above Claire at Princeton. I entered in 2009. Yep. Claire was 2010, and we ran cross-country and track together. Yeah, we were both recruited to run at Princeton, and uh, I showed up, and Abby already had a year of experience. but Except no experience. Yeah, had been, like, crazy injured, and so a lot of the team was like, we don't really know, Abby. I was a total hermit my freshman year. And I was like, that's kind of weird. She seems really cool, because I didn't know, you know, that she had, like – been really injured and reclusive her freshman year. Yeah. And then and then you were able to run and so we spent a lot of hours running together and Abby and I and another girl Mel, uh British, she's British and was Abby's year became really really close like right away. We were kind of the spunky people on the team, I think. Kind yeah. of the black sheep yeah, of the like family. Yeah. Like a little rebellious, <laughs> like people don't really know what to do with us. We didn't like fit into the tropes of like sort of like f- rule following like Princeton distance pearl runner, wearing pearl wearing yeah. I mean I wore pearls well, so did I. and I regret it <laughs> <laughs> well you know Claire it's really interesting I was I was just at home and my mom asked me what eating club you were in because at oh. Princeton we have this very weird <clears throat> culture whereas juniors and seniors you eat all of your meals in an eating club or you can elect to eat your meals in an eating club that you have to gets selected to be in its very silly, pretentious system. Um, But Claire and I were in different eating clubs. Mm -hmm. And I said to my mom, because I was then thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, college Claire probably wouldn't agree with 2020 Claire about (laughs) these things. (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I I don't have, like, that many – like regrets but yeah that's not people that's yeah, not yeah what yeah. i mean yeah but just the people i was that... part of like a um an eating club that i like forged amazing friendships with but um 
Abby, to her credit, was like very confident in herself all four years and she didn't give zero Fs about what people thought or which like boxes she should be put into. And so she was like, I'm going to go to the eating club where my friends are. And that was the majority of the men's track team at the time. And I went into an eating club that um, a handful of distance cross country runners were in, but it was also a lot of like kind of jocks and southern bells and you know like not it was like the lacrosse soccer football sorority eating club like really good at partying very good oh totally i love going to parties over there yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. but to be honest though the reason i didn't join there were two reasons i joined the eating club i joined one was that i was really close with the men's team closer than i was with the women's team a cross-country and track team but then also i just the women's team had this really unhealthy culture around eating that I didn't like being around. And I knew myself well enough that I would get sucked into that if I was around it all the time. And we were around it in the dining halls our freshman and sophomore year. And so part of that decision was making a really conscious effort that I didn't want to be around it for all of my meals because it was just stressful. Who can have the more salad-y salad for every meal? (laughs) (laughs) I've never eaten so much salad in my life. (laughs) But I I seriously, I just, you know, like the, the, the reasons why I went to the cottage are like five individuals and, you know, you know, all of those girls and they're amazing. Oh, totally. It's it's, it's, it's It's a credit to, to Abby of just, um, being able to sort of step out of like, a like a popularity contest type of scenario and, and, and be herself and like, look at us today. We've been friends for almost a a decade and we're like living the most rogue lifestyle as we could imagine. <laughs> well, that's the only reason I brought it up. I wasn't trying to discottage it. Oh, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just now that we live in Boulder and yeah. wear our Patagonia yeah. fleeces and pajama pants around town every day. I think it's, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to reflect back even at all on our college experience because it was a very different life. Yeah, than but we I bet most Colorado. people, I mean, you could relate to that, Julia, right? Like who you are. 10 years ago, especially those weird four years of college is like such a crazy social experiment. Yeah. So where does that culture you spoke to, Abby, Mm. of like eating disorder culture come from? Like where was that coming from at Princeton? I think it was probably a combination of people already having internalized that before they got to to campus, but then also – from the leadership on the team. The, so Princeton was really successful my freshman year and the year before I got there. We were fourth at cross-country nationals those two years. Which is really impressive for an Ivy League. Right, Just where like, there are no college scholarships one, yeah. and there's grade deflation and people are stressed out of their minds in school. And we didn't have a good training like training system set up to take care of us. So it was really impressive, but I think – probably frankly the reason that they were so good is because there were just a lot of very type a people on the team who were willing to do whatever it took to be that good you know for a short period of time that's the key Mm -hmm. aspect of that and i think that we all wanted to be that good i was attracted to the going to princeton by the fact that they were such a good team 
And you, of course, you look up to the 22-year-olds on the team when you're an 18-year-old stepping onto a college campus and you feel like a total fish out of water. So, but, but at the same time, my high school, there were several girls in my high school that wanted to run in college and they haven't run since then because they were too injured from disordered eating in high school. So it, it's something that I think we were probably almost all aware of before we got to college. Yeah, Claire, what was your experience with it? I think it was like less explicit. It um, now, in hindsight, I know it's a, a cultural problem amongst all collegiate women's running teams. Excuse me, most, uh, and I really applaud those that are working to fight against it. And like, I was just trying to like hang on. <laughs> I, I showed up like kind of clueless. I was like, yeah, I guess it makes sense to like, like. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think part of it also is that it's not even like this explicit thought in your head of I'm going to eat a salad for dinner so I'm skinny so I run fast. It's more uh, more like, okay, we all go to the salad bar because that's what we're all doing. Yeah, it was a cultural thing that I don't think actually had much like analytical thought to, which is very counterintuitive to the people, to the culture of like – of just any team that is in college, like the, the theory is, at least I showed up thinking, I want to be the rest, best runner I can be. I want to be scoring for Princeton in cross country and indoor track and outdoor track. And I was like, I guess this is what I have to do. I was just emulating the girls above me. And, and a lot of them ended up being like, they're incredible runners. Like, I mean, Ashley Higginson barely missed the Olympic team in the steeplechase, you know, Alex Banfitch, you know, all these women who are, like, idols to me. Um, And I don't think that they have, like, crazy problems. It's just, like, is this insidious thing that I think can grow upon itself? And you're on a college campus where the food isn't that good to begin with, and Mm -hmm. you're just also just trying to make do with the options. Right. It's like any freshman who leaves their home, regardless if you're – an athlete in college you leave your home where if you've been really fortunate you've had a parent or two cooking for you for the last 18 years of your life and and then you're like what (laughs) totally well you know it's funny because I don't know if you were like this in college but my biggest issue with eating was that I would stress eat I didn't under eat I just (laughs) ate a ton of junk food because I was stressed out of my mind in school and I was staying up until like two o'clock in the morning every day. So I would, I would go and, you know, fill up like a Ziploc bag with cereal in the dining hall and just eat the whole thing. Or I'd go buy a box of wheat thins and eat the whole box. And through this phase where I ate a whole box of chocolate covered pretzels every night. And it, I felt terrible after afterwards, but I needed the calories to keep myself awake. While I was studying. Yeah, that was, like, a pretty common theme. Like, we both, like, had gum addictions. Yep. Very addicted to (laughs) gum. Which was a team that was something that was Yeah, and, like, this honestly had nothing to do with running, per se. It was, like, we needed to stay up to finish our freaking papers. And I had a Sour Patch Kid issue (laughs) that lasted a couple years that was not (laughs) ideal. Because when you eat a lot of sour patch kids your tongue peels off like for multiple days (laughs) um so you know and i'm not i'm not trying to like 
uh, you know, it, the, I think make the point fun is, of the issues, but it well, was kind of a disaster. Well, the point is that there are a lot of it, it's an intersectional issue, yes, right? Because yes. you have this these type A athletes who want to do well in the NCAA, who are at a very, very intense college, who are stressed and want to do well in school. And then you also have like, you're trying to balance your social life and your relationships. And there are so many things that you're trying to juggle at once that the eating components almost like glue right how how do I even and that's what I think in hindsight it's like it doesn't even matter like it just was fucked like we were trying to be like academic students and we had no shot being full-time like uh, full-time athletes I mean Abby did because Abby's brilliant and Abby like (laughs) was one of the few people there's like a few people every four years like especially on the cross-country teams who ends up being like getting all these awards academically and it's like Abby senior year whoa did you see that like Abby got all these awards for her thesis and like x y and z and we were all like fuck (laughs) that's what she was doing (laughs) and we're all like trying right but uh to Abby's credit yeah (laughs) but it took me probably four years to recover from that yeah you know I remember coming home every summer and just being like I'm in PTSD from pulling all-nighters during finals and it was it was a stressful Mm -hmm. time and then I went to grad school and I was so burnt out it was really hard to keep my mind going after that Mm -hmm. you know you're just it really went to the wall yeah it's kind of like running a race yeah I went to the beach for two years (laughs) (laughs) I did amazing research on corals so So were your college self think about having a career in ultra trail running (laughs) no and you know that's funny i remember claire and i talking about this a couple years ago and i asked claire if she regretted going to princeton or how she ended up choosing princeton we were on a trail run somewhere beautiful and we did have some very beautiful runs at princeton in the in the countryside but New Jersey is a pretty gloomy place in the winter. There aren't that many trails. We did have some nice trails in the forest, but there aren't really any mountains. And it I had no idea what ultra running was. We had a teammate whose dad did the, ran the Iditarod. Mm-hmm. Abby Hewitt. Yeah. Go Abby. Yeah, tumbles and in. It was just like the weirdest. I couldn't even conceptualize what that meant. So, yeah, no, I definitely didn't think about it in Yeah. Uh, coming, I grew up in Colorado, and Abby grew up in New Hampshire, so I think there was a little bit of difference there. Yeah. Like, I grew up reading outside and things, um, and so I knew we that We don't have that magazine in New Hampshire, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in rural New Hampshire. Yeah, definitely not. made it there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Never made it to the Waldorf School. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do remember, I have this distinct memory. I think I was... A, a junior, yeah, because I was in the college when I was an RA. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Another story. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being just, like, so over Princeton, so over mm. East Coast, and I was just like, fuck my schoolwork. I'm going to read Outside Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and I started getting it, to like, delivered to oh, my mailbox. Awesome. And, um, and I read this article about Rory Bazio. Oh, who is in many ways sort of like she's a matriarch of ultra running. I mean, she still she'll have the course record for UTMB, I think, possibly forever um, because the course probably will never be the same. And and when she won 
Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, which is a 100-mile run around Mont Blanc um, in France, Italy, and Switzerland. So for those of you who aren't, like, aware of ultra running, this is, like, the Super Bowl of ultra running. Anyways, Roy Bazio is a badass. She, like... She dances, she wears bright colors, and she destroyed this run, got top 10 in the men's. And that was, this article sort of documented that and just showed how carefree she was. And um, and I was like, I dig this woman. Yes. Like, and it's just like December in Princeton, New Jersey. And then I come back to reality. <laughs> Which isn't bad, right? Like, I come from an immense place of privilege. But um, that knowing that that world existed definitely was in my mind as an undergrad. And mm-hmm. it trickled through the next few years of my life until I eventually actually took a stab at, at trail running and ultra running. So, um, but I will say, it's funny you have us here, Julia, because... The reason I moved to Boulder was because I had one friend in Boulder. And I'm from Englewood, Colorado, which is like 45 minutes from where we're sitting in Boulder, Colorado. And I was moving back from Asia. I'd been there for almost two years. And I was like, well, I should just go live in Boulder with Abby. (laughs) Because I had visited Abby and um, like on a trip home from Asia. And I was like, whoa, Abby's like figured something out. And I was like, I'm just going to move back to Boulder. (laughs) Which is like, it doesn't sound that crazy maybe, but from our background where most of our friends are working on Wall Street in in New York, Mm -hmm. it is a little, we are, it's a little strange that we ended up here. Yeah. But also amazing. We don't regret it for a second. (laughs) So yeah, it wasn't like completely out of left field. I mean, Abby chose to run at CU Boulder for grad school, which was a deliberate choice right you could have gone anywhere right no I I wanted to be out here yeah Yeah. so and Abby did Claire inspire you to get into ultra running after CU oh 100% that was (laughs) this is 100% Claire's fault so I was (laughs) so yeah after I ran I finished out my NCAA eligibility at CU we both were injured actually quite a bit at Princeton um, and Claire could have used eligibility, but she did the far more noble, no, nobler thing of going to Asia to teach these adorable Thai kids how to not only how to speak English, but also how to swim. She started this incredible nonprofit called Earth Raging. Isn't that, is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Earth Raging with English. Still happening, people. Yeah. Still going <laughs> <It> on. <is. laughs> yeah. So, yeah. She was saving the world in Thailand. I was very <laughs> narcissistically uh, completing my NCAA running at CU and one of the reasons I moved to Boulder and came here for grad school was I did a lot of triathlons in high school and I knew I wanted to pursue triathlon after I was done running so the day I was done running in the NCAA I I went back to triathlon ended up becoming a pro triathlete and did that for a little over a year maybe multiple time national champion like, she was on track. <laughs> Basically, you would have been training for the 2020 Olympics. That's, that was my original yeah. goal was I wanted like this to year. try to make it to the Olympics. That would have been so miserable. Well, it was. Holy well, shit. that was the problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. literally. Well, so, yeah, the last race I did no offense, it was, a, was a national championship that I, I ended up winning. And I remember crossing the finish line and just being like, I don't really care that I just won this race. Okay, this is an issue. 
<laughs> yeah, we got like so much sponsorship after this race. No, that's I was not like, true. Well, it was true. like it was like you had your kind of life dialed in Boulder, and she's a pro triathlete. She's like on track for, to train for four I, years I for the Olympics. USATF or USAT funding at that point. So I did things were clicking in triathlon, but I was. I was just kind of unhappy. And then Claire suggested that I run the North Face uh, 50K. She was running the 50 mile, which is like the marquee championship uh, race. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll do this 50K, whatever. Uh, I never run over a 10K at that point in my life uh, in a race. And so we started, I started doing Claire's training, which was going on all of these amazing trail runs in Boulder. And it opened my eyes to this whole world of Boulder that I didn't know existed. It was like going through the wardrobe into Narnia. Yes. It totally <laughs> blew my mind. And I, and I did the race and I had so much fun in the race and it was so chill. I mean, it was a, the atmosphere was intense. Abby the destroyed race, the race. She won by did. like three hours. <laughs> Claire destroyed her race, and it was so intense. But at the same time, people were the, there was so much camaraderie. People really were supporting each other. There was music at the finish line, and people were drinking beer, and it was so chill and very different than a triathlon. This is in San Francisco, California. Yeah, yeah. in mm-hmm. San Francisco, in December, and. I was just like, well, I can't go back to triathlon. This is so much more fun. Both the training and the racing is so much more fun. And also, another big component was Claire introduced me to Rocky Mountain Runners, which is our local trail running group. And every Monday, they go up Green Mountain, which is a local mountain in Boulder. And I remember talking to doctors and nurses and people, like engineers, people of all different backgrounds who are these crushers on the trails, just loving life, going outside, balancing their full-time jobs with this love of the outdoors, and and also lifting each other up in this really beautiful way. And I just wanted to be part of that community. So that's how I got into trail running. All thanks to Claire. Yeah. Claire, what do you love about trail running? It's beautiful, Abby. (laughs) I mean, it's a lot of what Abby just said. It's the community, um, and it's uh, being out on dirt, on rocks, in forest, on ridge lines, in the elements. You don't even have to be in like the sexy Rocky Mountains, right? You could be in the middle of your urban park in just name name your state and if you're out there with a love for what you're doing and a passion for your environment like you are trail running and I think that we both love to trail run but we also both just love to run Mm -hmm. and I you know obviously these distinctions are useful to some degree like trail running races are very different than like a road marathon but at the same time they can also be kind of constrictive like running is running and Mm -hmm. we both run on the roads all the time I've been running on a treadmill for two months because my knee is bothering me and I can only run uphill right good point yeah like like, and I think the beauty of quote-unquote trail running is that it's really just an expansive way of thinking about running itself like yeah just going outside and putting one foot in front of the in front of the other and on whatever medium you have available to you and it it allows you to explore in a different way I think it gives people the authority to say hey okay I'm gonna do a little bit of research 
I'm going to show up at a trailhead and I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And I, I might walk. And I might walk. I, I, and, and that is in, in many ways that's taught me what we have at our fingertips as Americans, as anyone who lives in America, we have so much public lands at our fingertips mm-hmm. and trail running is a way to explore that or walking or hiking or, <clears throat> you know, mountain biking, ATVing even, um, and on the East Coast, we don't have as much public land, but we have a lot of ease land where people ease their lands to these conservancies. And I was just back at home in New Hampshire, and someone opened my eyes to the fact that a lot of it is private land. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this is whole, in the Northeast, yeah, yeah in in New England, and I'm sure in other parts of the Northeast, there's this really generous idea of land use and these trails just run through people's backyards and it's like, yeah, of course you can run on this trail in my backyard. It goes from point A to point B. Duh. And it's just like a really beautiful celebration of getting outside and enjoying earth, really. Mm -hmm. And I think for Abby and I, we've really grown in and we've grown to love the idea of trail running and exploration because it's, we're constantly learning. Yeah. Like there's always things to to learn about in this in this arena, you know. Where should we go? What is the terrain like? Like, have you ever, you know, gone up some trail that requires like a little bit of like hands on knees and like hands on rocks type of scrambling? And and that's really exciting. And the and history. I think for us, it's like uh, we can spend literally. We've probably spent like. We definitely have spent thousands of hours running together over the last, like, 10 years. Yeah, And there's something really amazing about discovering, like, what we're seeing and discovering America together. Um, And and also the history of it. I think Mm -hmm. I love it because, Claire, I think we both love to learn about where we're running and the history. Who was on here, Native Americans, hundreds Mm -hmm. of years ago, why was this important to them? How did these? How did they establish these ways to get to point A to point B on the East Coast? Then there were, you know, cattle paths and sheep paths, and I just love learning about mm-hmm. that. You feel so much more connected to the land. I totally, think. and like more connected to the threats that we're seeing. Yeah, or it's it's like it's honestly, I don't think I would like be doing the advocacy I'm, I'm doing if I didn't have Abby to talk about like the things oh, that we're witnessing. You know, which is like like smog on the front range in Colorado and and the constant threat of forest fires in California and extreme heat in all these southern states. Public lands getting redacted. Yeah. And I think road running is a little inoculated to it. Is that the right word? No. I don't think that's a word. Maybe like sheltered. Yeah, sheltered. Thank you. Yeah. It is. Right. It is a different different vibe. Which isn't like saying that anyone's at fault for doing that, but I do feel like as trail runners, we're on in some ways a front line of the running community of seeing these threats and right. it's our job. Well our play to, our playground is is threatened. Yeah. And and, roads and everyone's is to you know degree. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I feel like any I feel like you guys on Instagram, something that I so appreciate is in addition to sharing beautiful pictures of the badass runs you go on, you both also share calls to action for your community and for the world. Um, what would be individually both like a call to action you have to listeners? Two trail runners. Hmm. I mean, I think a very obvious one probably comes to both of our minds. I mean, yeah, it's 2020. Yep. 
everyone who's listening, if you run, you presumably care about your environment, which means you probably care about the air you breathe. And right now, the quality of the air you breathe is being threatened by the people that are in charge. So I encourage you to canvas for the people you want to see in Or office. at the very least to vote. Yeah. You know. Gosh. I would hope that people listening to Running on Ohm are voting. That's true. That's true. This is probably a pretty into yeah. an audience. Julian, yeah. <laughs> it's also a really popular podcast, but, Claire. Yeah, Julia is yeah, the shit. I know. So. Well, I'm saying, yeah, but if you're not voting, like, that's fucked up. I'm sorry. Like, this is our civic duty. Yes. And, and that's the minimum. And, hey, I, I take I take what I just said back. It's okay. Okay. Deep breath. It's okay. I think we have the ohm, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> and we're and, and you I now. invite you to join to join all of us, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who care about the land and the air that we run in. And I really invite you to vote for people who care about care about climate. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I think. And, I mean, let's be explicit. We have the Democratic primaries in March. Um, like, I'm I'm going to be canvassing for Bernie in the next few months. Uh, he has the strongest climate record. That is what's protecting my ability to run. It's pretty selfish, you know, but it's also uh, altruistic in many, many ways if you look at Bernie's stances. And then, of course, we have the November elections. And this is where Claire and I have see slightly different I, I i'm not sure who i'm going to vote for in the primary but coming from i was as i keep saying i was just in new hampshire right across the border from vermont which is bernie's home state and it really struck me by how many trump signs there mm. are everywhere in vermont and also in rural new hampshire and I just keep thinking about, okay, who can we elect who's going to be Trump? Because mm -hmm. he really does appeal to a lot of these people across rural America and not only rural America, just across America. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to be most cognizant of. And I'm not sure what the answer to that is. But the point is, I think, and I really think that we all need to unite 100 percent people yeah. who love I playing outside with everything you're saying and we we want to protect the places we love to play anyone to be honest anyone is better than trump who's running for president yeah. to in in terms of protecting the places we love Snaps. to play so let's vote for somebody who's yeah who's going 100%. to do that I'm totally with you guys. You <laughs> both mentioned that, you know, you've spent thousands of hours running together. Can you both take me to a run that's mm. really memorable that you guys have shared together? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> yeah. So many. Okay. Uh, I have first one that comes to mind. Okay. So one. one of, this is maybe my favorite college memory other than us riding in a limo. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Um, it was a dark, rainy evening, and Claire and I both took a lot of science classes, which had labs, so we often ran after the rest of the team, and I think our coach gave us headlamps <laughs> to enable us in this endeavor. He, like, Maybe. lent headlamps out. Yeah. I don't know if we used yeah. them. Yeah, in New Jersey, has a lot of streetlights. But I remember going on this run with Claire in the dark, in the rain, and we were trying not to get hit by cars, you know, commuting home. And it was 
could have been a really miserable evening if I had been by myself. Like, it was horrible weather. It yeah. was. It was yeah. objectively. I know exactly the oh, one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> we chose like the most like commuter heavy run yeah, was, we could have from Princeton. what we were thinking. Maybe yeah. we were trying to find the most light on the route. Yeah. I think that's what it was. It yeah. It must have been. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was objectively a miserable day, but it was one of my most fun evenings of my life. It was so great because we were in this kind of miserable environment together and just kind of like doing whatever it took to get it done. Totally. And also escaping, you know, college life. For right. Just we hour. talked about classes for a while. Yeah. Wasn't Mel with us? Yeah, I think yeah, our friend yeah, Mel. Yeah, yeah. Our British Mel We love you, us. Mel. Yeah. <laughs> Not that yeah. she'll be necessarily listening to this, but I still love her. Mel's living life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just like it were it were those moments like punctuating the intensity of just college life. Where, the life we are living. And yeah. almost the more ridiculous the experience of running, the better. Mm-hmm. And that was one yeah. of those days. It was probably like an eight or ten mile run and it was all in the dark. Yep. You know, in the rain. His poor rain and and we were just like these like little girls basically (laughs) like running through the streets of new jersey and granted these are like pretty bucolic suburbs but but there was i know the exact run and and we came back into the locker room and we were just like yeah and i'm pretty sure that was my freshman year year sophomore year yeah and that was sort of like a seminal cementing of like Mm. these are my people yeah like this girl's weird (laughs) abby (laughs) This Not girl's Mel. clearly like, like oh, so smart. I can't no, ha- stop. <laughs> but, but like truly, stop and I was it. like, but she's like normal, and that's really nice. And it's well, really funny how we look at where we are. I just, I just want to add one thing to that, which it wasn't on this run. It was on another run that we. That, so Claire did this thing. She doesn't really do it anymore. But she used to spit a lot on runs. <laughs> yeah, she I had a spit. spitting problem. I don't know. Maybe from chewing so much gum. I don't know. Yeah. But I remember running behind her with a couple other friends. And she and a couple of friends started calling me Spittoon Levine. <laughs> <laughs> literally the receptacle onto which Claire was spinning. It was like t- many, many, many times that many I was times. like, not like hawking loogies onto Levine, but like, basically, like basically I'd be like, do, like do a spit and like 90% of that saliva would like land on I Abby. I am so grateful that you have kicked that habit. It was so, gross. Claire, what about you? What is the memory you have of running together? Um, I have one. This was in Abby's transitional phase. So mm. she was still a oh. national champion triathlete, right? And I had just moved to Boulder in the winter of 2016, like 2015, 2016. And, and I was basically just like... Yo, Abby, whenever you can, like, muster run, I want to join you. Because she had very, like, strict – you had very strict um, Mm. run training for your triathlon programs. And and then it was weird because you run – you won a bunch of races that summer. And I don't know if that was before or after Leadville. It doesn't even matter. But I think it was before. I think it was before. Claire won Leadville that summer, for the record. The Leadville 100 race. Well, and this was, like, my, like, catapult into, like, professional ultra running. And, but I was like, Abby, you got to 
come on this run in Silverthorne. It was actually in Frisco, which is in Summit County, Colorado, sort of like the heart of a lot of ski resorts. Um, But it was the summer, and we did the Peaks Trail. And and Abby's like fast, man, right? She's in like 5K triathlon shape. And you were so chill in the forest. We went out. I'm trying to I think remember if, this run very if well. Molly was with us. No. Oh, okay. She didn't do it with us. Okay. This is another college friend. She might have turned around yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. We love Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Molly was a professional triathlete as well yep. who, who, who uh, stopped that summer. Um, but anyways, yeah. So we're like out on this run and Abby or I had a phone. One of us had yeah. a phone and Abby yeah. was just like, <laughs> there's this beautiful valley with yeah. with forest and it's you know it's it's the rocky mountains it's it's gorgeous it's the most beautiful place on earth single track. i love it so much like pick any single track and you're gonna be in heaven and and abby was like i gotta take a picture yeah poor claire claire was an angel because i was so excited it's like in nirvana yeah. meanwhile claire's family has a house up there so she's been there thousands and of times in her life and she's like okay abby get over it can we no, run, can we keep running yeah. But, but it was true. a really, a really like seminal moment that realized, um, you know, this type of experience, any type of out of sort of out of body running experience is really important. You have to like honor that. And, and I felt mature enough to be like, <laughs> which is, which is a surprise. Let's be real. Uh, to be <laughs> like, true. whoa, like this is like a big deal for Abby and and like we should honor this and Claire is so sweet she's so kind yeah that was literally the summer that you won Leadville and you could have been out there training really seriously and really intensely but instead she chose to let me have my moment it was really (laughs) sweet of her really kind I mean I also probably couldn't keep up let's be real no that's not true no I could not run over a single rock that summer so you were definitely waiting for me on every aspect of that Uh, run but it I do remember that run vividly because it really helped open my eyes to just the beauty of trail. Yeah, and I think, like, an important lesson from that is, is like, having – is inviting your friends Mm, on runs that are new to them. Like, that's the only reason why I've gotten to the place I have, and same with Abby, right? Yeah, totally. And and seeing that is, like, one of the most beautiful things um, and – I think that's a really good point because it's easy for us to forget that trail running can be a little bit intimidating Mm -hmm. if you're not used to it. There, you know, I think it seems pretty simple once you've done it enough. You're like, okay, just go outside and go on a run like I usually do on a road. But I was definitely, I had no idea what I was what I was doing at first. It it does feel different, and even shoe choice and something as simple as that can make or break whether you have a good time on the trails. Yeah, and especially having, in the winter. Having <laughs> someone to help you with those decisions and and to show you where you're going and to show you that it's okay to, to go slowly, to, exactly to walk to up, walk up the rocks to be really or, out of breath, you know. And I think that's the beauty of what we've like grown to love together is like the 
unknown of trail running. Yes, yeah, definitely. Which is sort of the opposite of what we experienced at Princeton. Right. What is it like for you guys to stand on the starting line together, most recently in the North Face Endurance oh Challenge? Gosh. Oh my god, what it a fun weekend. That's amazing. I just want to yeah. gush a little bit. Oh no, stop it. Oh my god. <laughs> so, this was Abby's first 50 miler, and this is, as Abby mentioned earlier, sort of the marquee 50 miler for trail runners, the North Face Championship in San Francisco. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, it's no longer going to happen. But, um, yeah, this was sort of helped me get my footing in the ground, in the scene, and I got fifth my first year. And, she um, crushed it. I remember Claire coming across the line just foaming at the mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, insane. Just a very, like, fitness-heavy but, like, proper trail race. And anyways, so we're we're there like just a couple months ago in San Francisco. We <laughs> it was like me, Abby, Abby's partner, Kyle, my dad, <laughs> our homies. Like we do we always have like amazing support. But it was just so fun. So but fun. this was a really, really big deal for Abby's trail career. Oh, I don't know about that. And Abby was so chill about it. And like, let's be real. I wouldn't really want to be around me before the night before race because I am like so not thinking about the race. And Abby wasn't either. She was like wearing her pajamas and her headlamp, walking around the Airbnb. <laughs> we have a photo. We can send this to you. And then, okay, the point of this story is Abby ended up getting fifth in this race absolutely crushed it I had not the best day but I'm proud of my performance I got eighth um and uh it's just incredible because it's like four years ago I was following Abby and then Abby like joined the sport that I became a part of and now she's like you know well getting crushing it (laughs) well let's also just to take a step back here Getting on the starting line with Claire in anything is a huge honor because Claire is so decorated already in the sport and she's so good. She's so so successful. And it's just, it's I've learned so much from her and look up to her so much. And I love being around Claire before races. So the day, okay, the day before this race, <laughs> no, two days before. We're, we're sitting there. <laughs> Maybe it was two days before. At the the restaurant. No. We ordered a picture of Marks. That wasn't what I was going to say. Yeah, we did have a few Marks. No. The day before the race, we're sitting in this Airbnb, and Claire announces to the room that she's signed up for a scuba diving class. No. Free diving, Abby. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. That's true. Very different. Excuse me. For a free diving class in December, so after the race. And she goes... Okay, now I'm excited about the race. <laughs> Meanwhile, her dad is horrified. Yeah, my dad's not a fan of freediving. That she signed up for this freediving class. And it was really quite fascinating to see that insight into how Claire's mind works. And it's like, okay, Claire is motivating herself for this race about thinking about the things she can look forward to after the race (laughs) that have nothing to do with running but I think there's a really beautiful lesson to learn from that is that Claire doesn't care too much and I think that's part of the reason why she's so successful is that she's found other ways to find fulfillment and validation in life other than through her race results and I've learned a lot from her through that because that's something that growing up as a competitive swimmer I, I really struggled with I 
put all of this pressure on myself that I had to race well because I trained really hard and I felt like I should race well and I'm just competitive and I was never the best swimmer my sister was much better than me and she was trained a lot less than me and that drove me crazy (laughs) and I think it was kind of this vicious cycle where you care more and you do worse and then when I discovered running I had no expectations on myself because I hadn't spent all of these years doing it but then as as I started running more then you start putting those expectations on yourself again and so Claire's perspective is really refreshing, and I think it's been really helpful for me to internalize that of just, who cares? It's just running, like, whatever. Australia is on fire. That's way more important than how I do in this race. Yeah, it's a privilege. And we've developed that together, to be honest. And our coach, David Roach, um, who we've both had for the last few years, who coaches a lot of trail and ultra runners, has been very influential in that mentality um, like it's such a gift yes. and to be yeah. able to go run 50 miles in the Marin headlands, like totally psh, twist my arm, you know, it's like, if you're healthy, yeah, you might not have a, the best day in Abby's case, like crushed it well, in I a think- really competitive field. And it's like, that's something to celebrate. And, and Abby was so humble after that race, like, like so so chill Claire was so humble Claire's throwing up the whole race and still places top 10 so but I mean and I think that's the beauty because when I came home from that weekend it was one of like truly the most fun weekends of my fall so fun and and I like forgot that I had run 50 miles because I had spent the weekend with Abby and my dad who's amazing and so fun and our really close friends Kurt Kyle Abby's partner and and Kurt's high school friends um and it was just and Jonathan of course oh uh, yeah Jeff yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's just like it's it's fun like this is the whole point of running to me exactly I mean, another example is uh way too cool which is a 50k in March (laughs) oh god so this past year, Claire, me, and my mom <laughs> <laughs> went out to Way Susan Too Cool. Peters and I developed a pretty nasty cold uh, two days before the race, and it really escalated the night before the race. And I took some NyQuil and woke she up. She could and, not breathe. It was yeah, awful. Claire and I Julia. were sharing a bed. I felt yeah. really bad for Claire. It was Claire, the sickest I've ever seen Abby. Because I was probably keeping her up all night. Actually, yeah, Claire we're sharing a bed, yeah. obviously. Claire's <laughs> immune system is like. <laughs> Iron Man, Iron Woman. But I felt like shit when I woke up and wasn't sure I was going to race. And anyway, long story short, I had a terrible race. I got through the race. Yes, still got top 10. Claire won the race. And I genuinely did not care I had a bad race. I was so excited for Claire that she won. And we had so much fun. fun. That was one of yeah. the most fun weekends of the year. Truly. And I was Abby's sick mom and had a terrible so race. Yeah. And I think that tells you yeah. how much, like, it, we, it was just, I truly yeah, like, we I care felt, about each other. Like, yeah, yeah, like, Claire's win was a win for me, too. Even, I mean, yeah. not really? that I did anything to deserve yeah. it, but. Abby, did you crew Claire at Western States? No, so unfortunately, I have a Adidas race every year on the same weekend as Western States, and I'm she very was with devastated me. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, yeah. and that's like the part of like this lifestyle is like we we aren't like, you know, twins in this, but right. in when these opportunities present themselves for us to do the same race, it's like 
this is such a gift and yeah. way too cool and North Face this year. And, like, let's be real. It's just, like, every day we get to go meet each other right in the middle of the day right <laughs> well we, we both, both have very flexible jobs so i'm i write full-time um and i work remotely and claire also works remotely as an activist for patagonia and so we have pretty flexible work schedules that enable us not only to run together but to work together so mm-hmm. so the racing is really a small component of our lives we spend every day together and I know both of you are interested in law and law school. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. What um, draws you guys to law? It's a good You're not going to kick us off your podcast yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. We're just blabbering away. <laughs> I think I'm probably both of us, but I don't want to speak for Claire. I'm really interested in, in environmental policy, and especially living out west. You notice how important those are just to everything out here, air, land, everything in terms of environmental things. Um, and so law itself, I don't think I want to be any like a lawyer, any type of lawyer necessarily. I have no interest in going to, into corporate law, but I am really interested in trying to make structural changes for the environment and for our health. And I think that law could could be, emphasis on could, be a good avenue to do that. But I'm honestly, I'm not completely sure because it also does silo you into a very, very small aspect of the world and what you can do. And as a writer, I hope that someday that could have the same type of influence or, or a different type of influence with the same amount of impact but I'm not sure and I'd like to keep my options open and I also love to learn so I think selfishly I would really enjoy law school but as we've heard Abby crushes school no. <laughs> crush myself you mean <laughs> Just need a couple more stressful years I wouldn't say that I'm like as apt to uh in law is happy, but obviously, like law dictates a lot of the reasons why we have clean air today in certain places. You know, we don't have clean air every day, but the Clean Air Act in 1990 has allowed many Americans to live relatively normal lives. Um, the what was it in 1970? Um, I mean, Earth Day, Nixon. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> um, wait, you're talking about like Rachel Carson in Silent Spring? Yeah. And- I mean, the the entire environmental movement that was created in the 1970s that basically prevented acid rain from right. from falling every day on on certain communities and 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 base and like NEPA, you have all these laws that like NEPA has like basically. I mean, our coach is an environmental lawyer, David Roach. Is basically Which is, wait, prevented NEPA. Explain <clears throat> what that is. That's the National Environmental Policy Act, right? which just requires that before any big infrastructure project like a highway or a chemical plant or even a trail uh, has a rigorous environmental impact review. And without NEPA, it's relatively fair to say that most low-income communities would have a chemical toxic plant in their backyards. And we already see that in many, many communities. And, And it's like, NEPA just, like, didn't used to be there. And then some really smart, like, people who kind of knew values that I agree with put it there. And and that's something that appeals to me. Yeah. Um, like, whether law is, is, like, my avenue, I'm not quite sure yet. But, I mean, 
I want to leave this place a little bit better than I found it. And, um, and I think Abby feels the same way. And so we talk a lot about like how to do that as now we're like getting into our late twenties. And, and I think a lot of people wonder that with their, with how they spend their jobs, right? Like, how are we influencing the world and people around us? And it's really hard to have a job that feels purposeful and impactful and, that's, I think, and that's advocacy kind of, is that important, you know, because you can have like a, a very standard corporate job, but then add advocacy. I just want to say that. Totally. You know? Exactly. You don't have to become kind this, of like, like being a runner. You don't need to be a runner full time. You can do yeah. that in addition to your life. And right. I think that's something that we both really strive to do is not to get defined by just one thing. Like, I don't think either one of us just think of ourselves as runners or as people in the workforce or whatever um and I think that's something that increasingly our generation cares about Mm -hmm. but it is like the paradox of privilege also right like we both we have jobs that are really meaning and like fulfilling Mm -hmm. like my job has a nonprofit that is getting the tech industry involved in climate change so we donate half of our profits to that and I'm involved in in that and that's really meaningful and awesome Mm -hmm. but at the same time like we have we could transition into something else if we wanted to, right? Like, we have that privilege. And with that, that's when the existential ink starts settle, settling in, right? Like, if it's almost like the less structure you have and the less mandates you have, the more you can think about things and question things. And and I think some of that is good in life. Like, if you're not questioning what you're doing, that's how you grow complacent. But at the same time, too much questioning and you're not happy and it's it's a tenuous balance that totally i mean you experience that right like you i really commend your decision julia to just dive in and like be become an expert you know in something that you know is a skill for you yeah how did you decide to do that was that a scary leap (laughs) to go back to school yeah Yeah. and to decide okay this is what i want to do yeah um this podcast interview is not about me so i'm not gonna gonna (laughs) but i think it's really relevant yeah um i think for me it was kind of something that I knew I always wanted to do, but it kind of took a while for me to recognize that I didn't have to listen to the world of like what I should be doing mm. and actually do what I really wanted to be doing. And I, as a young kid, always thought I wanted to do therapy type work with people because I love asking people questions clearly. <laughs> and um, you're really good at it. Thank mm-hmm. you. And so it just felt like finally like me acknowledging like what my actually true, like true nature wanted to do. That's, that's awesome. really beautiful and not surprising because you were such an insightful person. Thanks, friends. Well, and I think, like, we would completely echo that. It's yeah. like, if you're not happy, like, are you, are you able to make a difference? You know, I think happiness should be a baseline, especially for people who have the ability to make themselves happy. You know, to quit that job and get a different job. A lot of people don't have that option, but if you do, it's something worth considering. And I think the societal pressure aspect that you alluded to is also, you can't ignore that. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents, my dad's a doctor and my mom's a lawyer. And so when I try to explain to them that I'm a writer and run and live in Colorado they just don't fully get it and they're (laughs) they're constantly telling me that I'm squandering my abilities basically 
even and that's not entirely true. Like they are very supportive. They're always yeah. proud of yeah. me when something comes out that I've written. They read it and they love it. But I actually, so I did this race in uh, Montana this spring that it went okay. It wasn't great, and I was really upset after. I think she got and, second. <laughs> and, and I and actually it was a, it was a really beautiful race because it was to promote a local. Uh, Land, Con- Land Conservancy in Montana. But I finished the race and I called my mom and I was I was sad and she <laughs> she basically told me that <laughs> she was like, Well yeah, you're sad because you're putting too many eggs in your running basket and you're not like you're not living up to your potential in other ways. And I think that was maybe true to some degree that the potential thing isn't relevant, but did I feel like I was striving enough in my life? But at the same time, I do feel this sense of rebellion, maybe, against this East Coast mentality that... And I, you know, I just saw this when I went home for Christmas. And Julia I was, is shaking her head. And I was talking to my parents' friends because, you <laughs> know, you're, you're, from, you're from Boston and my parents are also from Boston. And there's this mentality of if you don't have a job with this label that's high status that I know and understand and you don't have to explain to me, then you are no one to me. Totally. You know, like when I, when people ask me what mm-hmm. I did and I explained it to them and they're like, oh, okay. And then my sister explains that she wants to go become a physician's assistant. And they're like, oh, great. Because they know what that means. It clicks. And say, and that's also law school. If I were to become a lawyer, that's something of a certain status that people can relate to. And that makes me not want to go do it. So that's also something <laughs> that I'm trying to deal with. Can we shift gears a little bit and talk about really Ethiopia? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we met because we went to Ethiopia together in 2018 on a scouting trip for this relay race that ended up happening in 2019. But what would you guys say was a big one of your takeaways from that experience? Mm. Well, I would just like to give a pug to Julia and to the organization that yeah. we went out there for, Julia created this this incredible sort of media relay for these young girls in Ethiopia in two towns, mainly Bakoji and Soto. And they're girls who would mostly be married off uh, at age 13 or 14 and, and stop school and have kids. And pretty much their lives as individuals are over and and this organization called Girls Gotta Run is is changing that paradigm and it's incredible. They have had so much success and this one executive director, Kayla, she's a homie. Um, Kayla's created this powerhouse where a hundred percent of the girls, how many girls was it this past year? Sixty girls oh. in Bakoji. Sixty in Bakoji, just one town, all graduated from high school as 17, 18 year olds. And all enrolled in college. And what, less than 2% of females in Ethiopia go to college? And so I just want to shout out to this organization. Well, and it's brilliant, yeah. right? Because in Ethiopia, running is, is seen as one of the only ways out for young girls. And this organization realizes that most young girls will not go on to become professional runners, but these girls are excited about running, and running is an avenue to 
to get them to stay in school. school. And so really it's about getting an education and of course about running as well because we all love to community. run. These girls love yeah. to run. Yeah, and it is a beautiful celebration mm-hmm. of community as well. But the fact that they can use something that they understand to get them to stay in school, which is something that is really hard structurally when you have families who can't, they just don't have enough money. They can't afford to mm-hmm. both to pay for their kids to go to school and to pay for them not to be working. Yeah, because these girls also, I, any young person in most of Ethiopia and Sub-Saharan Africa are if they're in an as agricultural community, they're working half the day on their family's farms or right. for someone. And so these girls have this insane schedule of they go to practice and maybe practices in the morning or afternoon. It kind of doesn't matter. But um, they go to practice, they go to school for half a day, and then they go work for the other half a day. And that... I mean, they're super fit because they're running in between all of those entities, which is not close. And, uh, and, but the fact that you have that half day of school is, is, I mean, that was, that's what's changed, changing the world, like educating women, especially in areas like Ethiopia and the surrounding countries is one of the top 10 measures in drawdown in terms of solving climate change is like educating women and super kudos to Julia who created this awesome relay with the girls. I would give much more credit to Kayla. And Kayla. Yeah. 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 Well, I Uh, I was really (laughs) struck because we went and visited a school there and the kids are really motivated. They wanted to be in school. Oh, yeah. We I mean, they're, this... they're just like you and I. Right, of course. They, and that's what I think. Well, and that's why yeah. it's heartbreaking <laughs> to think about the fact that they might not be able to stay in school against their will. I mean, let's face it. There are people who have the privilege of staying in school who choose not to, right? Mm-hmm. These kids want to be in school. Yeah. And they might not be able to because their family can't afford for them to be in school. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Girls Gotta Run is funding these girls to stay in school is so instrumental for their lives. Yeah, and funding their moms to be in this yes, like yeah. uh, financial independence program. So a lot of the moms have created their own businesses that are uh, make them financially independent from their husbands and... Oh, it's so badass. It's like gives me chills. Yeah. And, and Julia yeah. basically invited Abby and I to go on this trip and 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 try to um, well, help scout out where the race should be. And yeah, there was a super cool race. And oh, gosh, what an amazing trip. Yeah, it was so amazing. Yeah, it was it was wild. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> I have a lot of memories of Claire just like eating peppers. <laughs> Classic. Yep. I was in heaven because yeah. the grain that's used in Ethiopia is teff, which is it's a gluten-free grain, and I'm a celiac, so I could eat like everything. Yeah. The injera, which is this like big pancake-like bread. <gasps> That you put your food on, and it's basic. And we were there right before um, Easter. the Easter, and most or a lot of people in that area are Christian Orthodox, so it's actually like a different schedule than our standard Christian schedule. But um, yeah, anyways, people are fasting from meat during that time, so it's vegetarian yeah. food pretty much at every like uh, food place or restaurant. So we were just like chowing down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a lot I, of- I thrive on that kind of thing when I travel. <laughs> Just flush it out. <laughs> so for this, for 2020, mm-hmm. what races, what travels on tap for you two, together or separate? Mm-hmm. Well, 
I would like to say that once again, I am very devastated that I will not be able to be at Western States. I need to figure <laughs> out a way to get around it's this. It's okay, Abby. At some yeah. point. No, really, though. <laughs> this is something that's really important to me, and life is short. <laughs> Abby! <laughs> and I would like to be there for Claire at Western States at some point. I have no interest in ever running Western States. It's too hot. Too goddamn hot for me. But I will go and support Claire. Maybe <coughs> we'll see if she'd ever want me to pace her or... Oh, happy sure. to crew, yeah. whatever. But anyway. yeah, Abby's Abby is sponsored by Adidas, and they have a race in Austria at the same weekend, so she'll be there. Yeah, um, yeah I'll be doing Western States again, which I'm very excited about. Amazing community, uh, and yeah, my my years focus a lot on the 2020 elections. So I was serious when I was like, mm-hmm. you know, get involved. Google who you care about, what you want to get involved in. Um, I'm not going to be racing in Europe this year uh, to support the the fight we have at home. I'll be doing one race in Europe, mostly because I kind of have to. Um, <laughs> well, actually, two races, now that I think about it. <laughs> to be honest, Did I kind of Did you get have... into CCC? Uh, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, this is great. Okay, this is cool. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. Yeah. That I support Abby this, doing whatever she wants. <laughs> but, but like, Claire, I mean, I love racing yeah. in the U.S., and I like staying local, and I think I also – that's an easy step we can take, right? Like, fly less and fly internationally less. And I – like, American trail running is amazing, and mm-hmm. racing is incredible. We don't need to go over to Europe all the time to race. And mm-hmm. so I really would like to – like, when you're even very if it's conscious a moral stance. Like, yeah, and I mean, I was thinking about it today. You can't fault people for doing their jobs, you know? No, um, definitely not. But I think educating – People that, you know, a flight across the pond is it negates the fact if you're a vegetarian. Right. Like one flight across the pond. If you're flying across to Europe four times, you know, that's like it's it honestly just doesn't matter that you are a vegetarian. Exactly. No, literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, Abby and I talk diet. about these things a lot with like our carbon footprint. Yeah. And it's part of the cultural narrative too, because I so Adidas is a German company, my manager's in Germany and they care a lot about European racing. And to me, that's a very, what's the word when it's not for America? Uh, Eurocentric. Yeah, Eurocentric view. Because we have incredible races in the U.S. And how do we promote those? By top American and... Running them. Yeah, yeah American racing runners them. racing them. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? So that's, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that all being said, at the end of the day people getting involved politically is going to make a way bigger action because if right. a coal power plant is is um, closed down, that's way more than us Eons flying. more than exactly. any of us's footprints could, could compare to. So, And there are a lot of structural issues that we don't really have any control over unless we vote for people who are willing to change them. Yeah, you know, know like how doing, our yeah. agricultural system is set up, how we get our electricity, all of these things that we might care about as individuals and try to take small steps in our daily lives which to change. Which is great, yeah. Which is, yeah, that's that's amazing. And that also helps, you know, turn the tides. But if we really want to enact change, it has to come from the top down, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. We'll go on an adventure, though, too. Yeah. <laughs> 
in addition to saving the world, <laughs> you'll hopefully have some fun. Yeah. Lots of fun. Sure, no one wants to run with us now. Changing, changing yeah. the world, quote unquote, or should I say, striving to change the world in our in our delusions of grandeur um, and having fun are very much compatible. Yeah. So to close our time together, I feel like something I so respect about you guys is how you really lift one another up. You also are sisters and that you guys can fight and still, you know, still make up. Like, you have so much love for each other. That's so sweet, Um, Julia. So I was Especially, I should say, Julia witnessed Abby and I have, like, a breakdown <laughs> in Ethiopia, which we didn't mention. And, and look everyone, at us, we've been covered. Everyone breaks down in yeah. Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up, yeah. it's a hard place, and we'll bring out whatever. <laughs> um, I've broken down there many times. But yeah. Yeah. I was hoping we could close with each one of you describing the other person in three words. Ooh. I always find this is a fun exercise to do with Ooh, people you love. You oh. Okay. It doesn't matter. And the words can be any type of words. Um, We're thinking right now. Eyes are closed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of, I know exactly how I want to classify Claire. (laughs) It's just how do I come up with the exact word that... Okay, I have it. All right, you go. No, is, you go. Oh, God. Okay, and you okay, can't change your words now, obviously. Yeah. Okay. And you don't have to do alliteration. I win. <laughs> oh, dear. Brilliant, beautiful, <laughs> bold, <laughs> Abigail Levine. But I'm That was very kind and very inaccurate. Abby! <laughs> Gail. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Just get it over with. <laughs> Just jump. Okay. What is the word that I'm trying to think of? I, there's a very specific idea that I'm trying to think of a word for. Okay. <laughs> Unstoppable. Incandescent. Abby's vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> Unstoppable is a very normal word. Okay. Incandescent. And... We'll go with... Glittering. So it was beautiful, bold, and brilliant for Abby and Claire. Unstoppable, incandescent, and glittering. And really, what I'm what I'm trying to get to, there are a couple of things. Sorry, you don't have three words, but I want to explain the idea because I don't have the words that explain Claire perfectly. But it's that Claire, it's like she's this ball of fire. That, no, literally, that you just cannot stop. <laughs> Both for good and for bad. Yeah. Usually for good. And you see this when she races. She, Claire clicks into this headspace that nothing is going to stop her. And this can be, I can be watching Claire in a race in person or just following her online. And once I get get to a certain point in the race, I'm like, okay, Claire's going to win. 
you you just know like nothing is gonna get in her way and she even she made a comment about this before the north face to her dad she's like okay well if i get to this point and i'm at this time it's good like she just knows that she can click into this into this space where she's this ball of fire that's just gaining momentum like crashing towards something and it's going to explode into this beautiful like tapestry no abby you're beautiful (laughs) anyway so that that was stealing my words okay and the other is that she just along with this ball of fire that's raging towards something she lights everyone up around her that's so sweet this is why abby is brilliant and i'm not saying this Literally, I can say one thing, and I sound so basic. That's like, not, what do you mean? Basically, our runs go with like me sounding really basic, and Abby has like. Sorry, I'm eating one of Julia's delicious cookies. Um, <laughs> they are really good. And Abby has like this articulate way of putting something. Also, I don't think the three words said it, but I will want to say this. Abby gives the best advice. Oh. Of anyone I know. That's sweet, since you some, you most of the time don't and, take it. And I will acknowledge <laughs> that I usually ignore her advice, especially when it comes to relationships. <laughs> and she's always right. <laughs> and it's been like year after year after year where it's like, whoa, <laughs> like Abby knows something that I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just that I know you well enough and I have an outside perspective. <laughs> and likewise, I mean, you give me the same type of advice. And- it's just not as good. But I interviewed Jenny Jurek earlier this week. Oh, my God, I love Jenny. Oh, we, we love Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. We love her so yeah, much. She is an amazing human. But she told me to ask you guys about your dating lives. Oh, oh my God. Great. Okay, Jenny is also the biggest gossip. You can put that in your podcast. <laughs> I love Jenny. I sometimes babysit for, for Jenny's two adorable children. And yeah, she and Scott, her husband, are true gems. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I'll just briefly tell you that this, I don't know if this should be public knowledge, but when I started uh, dating my current uh, partner, Kyle, she told me that Kyle, as opposed to some of the older men in Boulder who do a lot of running outside shirtless, who are raisins, <laughs> Kyle is a grape. That's all you need to know. Okay, raisin versus grape. So when you picture Kyle, he has the softest, most subtle skin. Sub- <laughs> no, no, no. What's the word? Subtle? Uh, how do you say it? Supple? Supple. <laughs> this is why I need Abby. <laughs> Supple, thank you. And I granted this is Kyle, I mean, excuse me. Kyle's, Kyle's Abby's boyfriend, but he is my sunshine, okay? For the record. He is Claire's sunshine. I yeah. love this guy. Yeah, he is, he is amazing. He brings out the best in Abby. He supports Abby. He's he makes us coffee at ungodly early hours. Yeah, he when we supported some like stupid, things. stupid runs of ours, and <laughs> he's amazing. And that's huge. I'm like so psyched to be psyched for your friends' partners, right? True. Yeah. yeah. I loved him. Yeah. Can we talk about Claire's? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, mean, yeah. well, it's... I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drug 
great. Things are great. <laughs> Things are great. And all we'll say is that I have, um, I am optimistic that Claire might take my advice. Mm-hmm. And take things slowly in her, in her current and future dating life, mm-hmm. life, and also that she may or may not um, be seeing someone from the best state in the country, <laughs> which is my home state of New Hampshire. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. No, I'm a. Uh, uh, yeah. That's about it. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know for now. Stay tuned. (laughs) Thank you both so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Julia. So, Julia, I I just need to tell you, full confession, I'm not sure if we've told you this before, but we were both quite obsessed with your podcast before we met you. We didn't know you. Yeah, we never met you. In college. What? You yeah. should start the podcast with this. <laughs> so yeah, we both we listen, really we loved all your listen podcast. To Running on home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and Molly, you just, when she lived in Boulder, yeah. you, you're not. You're so insightful. Mm-hmm. You ask the best questions. You have the most soothing voice. We just loved you. Yeah. So when Claire asked me if I wanted to go hang out with you in Ethiopia, it was like, well, duh. Like, like what whoa. an honor. Yeah. Because so anyway. Person? Fun yeah, fact. yeah. So thank you for bringing your. We podcast are longtime fans of your podcast. Yes. Yeah. Thank you both. I'm blushing. Yeah. yeah, the running world is lucky to have you. Yeah, I'm really lucky. And I really support your hiatus. I think that's a beautiful like thing to be able to like step aside and then come back. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think I was ever going to come back. Actually. Yeah. So after Oregon. Right? Yeah, after Good. Oregon and my kind of health challenges, and mm-hmm. I just was yeah. totally burnt out and um, not doing well, and so I kind of had to really get offline to recharge and to refocus, and I think for me and coming back to the podcast has so much been about, like, I've refocused it now to just focus on women's stories and the mm-hmm. outdoors and endurance sports. Because I've noticed there's just, it feels like so many, it's such a male-dominated space. It is. We talk the about this a lot. World. Yeah. Well, and the, the running podcast world is extremely male-dominated in a very, very insular way. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing different stories. We really appreciate it. Aren't Claire and Abby amazing? They leave me inspired to look closer at the trails I run and bike and walk on and what I can do to protect and support them. Please visit this episode's show notes on runningonome.com to learn about the advocacy work that they're doing and how you can get involved. Both Claire and Abby also share daily on their Instagram about ways you can use your voice for change and connect with us on Instagram and let us know you tuned in and what resonated. At the heart of this podcast, it's about creating community a place for women's voices to be elevated and celebrated by everyone. Three very simple ways you can help support this podcast and in total are going to take you less than three minutes are first to leave a review of the podcast on iTunes. If you've already left a review, I am forever grateful. And if I reach a thousand reviews by halfway through 2020, that's going to be June 2020, I have a very exciting surprise in store for the Running on Home community. Second is pretty simple. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Third, share the podcast with a friend. Nothing beats word of mouth. Next week, I'm excited to be releasing a conversation with Jenny Jurek, ultra runner, designer, mother, author, and I'm so excited to share the conversation with all of you. So stay tuned. 
This podcast is made possible by a team around me. Huge thanks to Nick Errol for podcast management, Tim Briggs for design, John Summerford for audio production, Caitlin Marie Minor-Ong for the album artwork. Thank you for listening. Lots of love and gratitude. Thank you.